are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. So um, this is Ariana August of PNW222. And our guest today is Isla Grace. And I'm going to give her um, a second to introduce herself. And then we'll dive right into today's topic. Yay. I'm so excited. Um, so I'm a relationship coach and yoga teacher for women. Basically, my whole idea as a relationship coach is to help women return to cultivate healthy relationships with themselves so they have a better understanding of who they are so they can then go out into the world and have romantic relationships and jobs and have friendships that actually make a difference in their life and the people that they interact with. That's fantastic. And specifically today, what we're talking about is one of the modalities that you used um, to accomplish all that, which is uh, Kundalini. Yes. <laughs> um, so I'm a Kundalini yoga teacher and I've personally been practicing. I discovered Kundalini yoga in 2014. I was working on a festival called Wanderlust mm -hmm. as yoga operations. And it was a little strange because I had been practicing vinyasa for so long since I was in high school. And what I noticed was this woman, she had such a magnificent energy about her. And she's in all white and she had a turban on and I didn't really understand on, but I was drawn into her and her one assistant, Julian, I had asked him, I was like, look, I don't want to be ignorant, but can you, can you, I was like, what's with the turban and the all white? Like, I don't want to offend anybody, but I didn't understand. And I was curious about it. And so, right. yeah. And so he ended up explaining it to me and it was essentially just the turban gives a clear channel of the direction of the energy. As it comes out of your crown chakra, it goes up instead of out like a fan and the all white just helps amplify and purify and cleanse the aura so it makes you more radiant okay people just yeah people treat you differently it's a really interesting experience actually yeah i'm willing to bet that that is accurate <laughs> yeah yeah it's it, it is and it it threw me off at first um but my teacher guru jagat her motto is just come as you are like come in jeans, mm -hmm. whatever you're comfortable in. And that to me was so appealing. And that's how I got like, that's how my, my foot essentially got in the door right. was that, that idea. That's awesome. So I would love for those who don't know, I would love for you to give a quick um, definition about what Kundalini awakening is, because I know that a lot of, um, a lot of people have been talking about Kundalini lately and what it looks like when it awakens and what it feels like and things of that nature. So I would love to hear more about that. Yeah. Okay. So there is, when you have the energy at the base of your spine, it's coiled and that's your Kundalini energy. And it essentially goes up your spine in a spiral uh, pattern and then it goes up and then it actually comes down your spine as well. So it's literally a surge of energy. Um, and people go through, from what my understanding is, my experience and other people's experiences, we go through different variations of it mm -hmm. because our body is kind of trying to figure out how to move the energy. Some people, it literally just happens by sitting in meditation. Other people, they require a little more effort. Where Kundalini yoga comes in, it's a specific style of yoga that helps awaken that energy and it moves the energy within your body in a safe way. Mm -hmm. It also helps do 
all sorts of other things for your health and your nervous system. Right. Um, but it, it creates essentially to me and my experience, a safe container mm-hmm. for that to happen. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Kundalini energy and what it feels like and what it um, like, what the benefits are. Okay. So um, awakening again, there are varying degrees of it for, for me personally, what ended up happening is I can, I can see people's energy mm-hmm. and I don't, and it's not even the visual. I have the intuitive knowing of things. Mm. So I may not visually see it, but I know, and I can sense it and feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also just have an intuitive knowing people have different clarity on what they're tapped into or what happens within the awakening and that movement of energy. There are different experiences that happen. Mm-hmm. So my experience is I'm sensitive to energy. I'm more sensitive to what I watch on TV and the, and the music I listen to um, as well as the, the vibrations and feeling mm-hmm. what people have going on. A lot of my clients, when they go into exp- like sharing a story with me, I already know what what the issue is or what the outcome of the story is mm-hmm. without them actually really having to tell me. Um, right. That's my personal experience. And the other thing that happens when you go through an awakening, depending on the varying degree of it, it opens up different channels within your body, whether it's the nadis and the meridians or even the auric pattern and frequency. It mm-hmm. can manipulate and change and open up, and it literally changes your projection and destiny of what you know what's going to happen in your life because that that as a result has happened. Right. So, in more scientific terms, for those of us you know uh, or the listeners who might not be fully spiritually versed in a lot of the terms that you just used, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, so what what it could be likened to it sounds like what you're saying and correct me if i'm wrong it could be likened to um you know uh becoming more in tune with your body and the world around you and just kind of like everything that's happening around you and being able to feel things more deeply and sense things more deeply and being more in tune with kind of like the magical side of life absolutely and I also believe too, with that, you know, you may have an event that happens in your life. Let's just on a, on a more tangible level, let's just say, you know, you're avoiding doing something that you know, you need to do. That's really good for you. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. somewhere deep down, like it's going to put you on a spiritual path and you're just in so much avoidance of it. And then, you know, you literally end up getting robbed at gunpoint. (laughs) Okay, I get it. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is that it's a way to sort of move stuck energy or stuck thought patterns, or it's a way to kind of like free yourself from things that aren't working for you anymore. Is that what I'm getting? Yeah. And I, and I think too, with that, it's literally all it takes is one clear decision. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Not only within your body and what you do, but making that one decision can set you a completely different path that will lead you to an energetic awakening or 
getting into a Kundalini yoga studio or going after something that you wouldn't normally go after. I think we go through, again, not only different Kundalini awakenings, but spiritual awakenings. I have... I have a very firm belief that we're all spiritual beings having a human experience. Mm -hmm. So we came here to the planet to have an experience in this lifetime. And so there are some things that we need to go through in order to achieve the awakening or, you know, the certain emotional experience or financial experience or whatever the thing is. Yeah. Yeah. I can resonate with that. I, you know, um, I've been through different, you know, traumas in my life and so forth. And, um, and I've been able to find a lot of meaning in those experiences. Um, and a lot, a huge reserve of, uh, internal strength and resilience, um, that I never would have tapped into without those so-called negative experiences. Right. So, yeah. Like, for example, um, I'll share a super quick story. Um, I'm going through a divorce and, um, you know, um, my life got totally turned upside down overnight by a choice that my ex made. And, um, and I was really frustrated and really angry about that for a while, you know, um, not necessarily the choice he made, but how it, how it all kind of came about and how it, you know, affected every aspect of my life and how he didn't really seem very sympathetic about any of that. (laughs) You know, so it was less the action and more his emotional response to what was going on, you know, or lack thereof. So, Mm -hmm. so for a while I was kind of frustrated about how everything happened and really angry and so on. And then as I started, um, you know, processing that trauma and working through, you know, all of those feelings and, um, and becoming more strong in myself and more confident in myself and all those kinds of things. Um, the energy started to shift, like you were just saying. And, um, and I know I didn't tell you this yet, and I was actually saving it for the podcast because I want your actual real time reaction. (laughs) Okay. I'm ready Um, for it. (laughs) Yeah. I, I've been practicing Kundalini, um, on my own without an instructor, um, just, you know, learning about it, but also intuitively feeling into that energy, that, you know, modality. Um, and, um, and when I started working with that energy really intentionally, a lot of things really did start to shift. You know, once I got into that energy of receiving and of harnessing and um, and just kind of working with that energy. So I'm really curious what you think about that process. <laughs> I genuinely believe that we all have our own paths, 100%. And if you are being called to practice a certain way, a particular way, there's a reason for it, mm-hmm. right? Like there's no... I don't think necessarily that there is right or wrong or good and bad in terms of the spiritual path, as long as it's adding value and you're being safe about it. Right. Because if you, I mean, we, we briefly discussed this before we, we even hopped on here and it's like the idea that if you go online and just search Kundalini, you have all of these very fear mongering, like you need to be careful. You need to worry. It's dangerous. And, 
it's and it's just simply from the pure fact of people not knowing what they're doing right Mm -hmm. and so if you are intuitively being guided and you're not like out on ayahuasca and you're like oh i'm gonna go practice kundalini yoga like if you're (laughs) intentionally and deliberately spending that time working with the energy within your body Mm -hmm. as long as it's deliberate and intentional and from a pure place i'm I'm all go for it, you know, and mm-hmm. if you go to, a, you, you know, go online and take a class online, like whatever works for you, we all have different spiritual paths and we all have different ways of doing things. I don't think that there's one right way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because yeah. the way I, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> you know, no, you I go. was going to say <laughs> the way that I've lived my life for most people would be considered very unrealistic. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but because I followed what I felt I needed to do, Mm -hmm. I've had the lessons I've had, I've grown, I've, you know, I've energetically shifted and I've learned how to be more intentional for sure for things to work out. So yeah, I mean, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I love that you said that, that you've learned to be more intentional and follow your own path, right? I mean, that's number one, that's kind of everybody's dream life, right? Being intentional, following your your ideal path, all those kinds of things. Also too, you know, um, I'm a single parent and I'm running my own business and you know, I've had people say things like, well, you should, you know, you should probably get a real job and like all those kinds of things, right? Yeah. Especially a couple of years ago when I, or, you know, when I wasn't making as much money, right? Um, it's like, well, you should probably just get a real job. And, um, and for a while, I kind of fell into lying with that train of thought, right? I was mm-hmm. like, oh, these people are probably right. They have my best interests at heart. These are people who love me and care about me and they're looking out for me. And this is probably good advice that they're giving me, right? Um, so... I went out and tried to get, you know, real jobs and, you know, and was running my coaching business on the side and all those kinds of things. And, um, and, you know, three times in a row, the job, the jobs just like fell apart, you know? And Mm -hmm. it was because, uh, number one, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a visionary. That's what I do. That's who I am. It's part of my identity, you know? And so trying to go to someone else's place of business and fit into that and, you know, work the way that they have their vision, it just, it just doesn't work well for me, no matter how cool their vision is. Right. Um, Yeah. And a lot of people have a lot of really cool visions. Um, There's maybe one or two people I could see myself working with who are close friends of mine, like partnering in their businesses, just because I believe in their businesses so much. And I already have that friendship with them. But other than that, you know, um, that whole being a visionary and being an entrepreneur thing is really important to me. Um, And so once I got into full alignment with that, and this was right around the time I started practicing Kundalini as well, right? Um, Everything just kind of started falling into place, you know? Um, And so I'm really curious what you have to say about that, like specifically harnessing that energy Um, because it's not just sexual, it's not just life force. It's really, it really just applies to every aspect of your life. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have a thought and the one 
big thing that will hit home no matter what the practice is or what is going on. And you actually said it very clearly. It's the idea that if you deeply and completely believe in what you do and who you are and your path, it will work out. The Mm -hmm. thing that most people struggle with is getting behind the belief that it's going to work because again, the, between a lot of political stuff and just being imbued with social media nonsense and Mm -hmm. hypno, like just the hypnotic trance of the messaging that's being broadcast to us as a society, right? you know, we're really taught not to believe in ourselves. We're really taught to just be a cog in the wheel. And so, yeah. So just the idea of even if you have to get the part-time job or if you know you can't, it's about staying true to that and being intentional, just like you do when you work with the energy of your body and yourself. If you can spend 11 intentional minutes on that, no matter what, Uh versus an hour of just like scrolling on Facebook and not being present and not having that, like just being completely spread thin. Right. It's not going to be as impactful as an, of an hour. And you might get more out of the 11 minutes of deep intentional, whatever the post is or the Instagram story or the Mm -hmm. reaching out to people, you know, but it's the same thing when you work with the energy on a spiritual level. Mm-hmm. If you get, th- if you get three minutes, 11 minutes, a half hour, whatever, an hour, two and a half hours, whatever you can do deeply and intentionally, you will have a far more profound experience than doing it for a longer length of time. With a little bit less mindfulness. Yeah. 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 So I think probably a big question on a lot of listeners' minds is going to be, um, what, does kundalini awakening feel like and um and you know is it always a sexual thing or not no it's not always a sexual thing um i have i have seen people go through like a full body awakening before um i've had lower chakra awakenings as i've done my practice um but it it kind of makes you spaced out it Mm kind of makes you a little high Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like yeah. I think the best way to explain it, because you have this surge of energy that literally goes through your body mm-hmm. and it's not anything that people have experienced before. The first time I ever had any type of energetic reciprocation from my practice or awakening, um, it actually gave me anxiety because I was like every, like my senses, my hearing was completely amplified mm-hmm. and it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it can bring on a sense of anxiety if you're not prepared for it. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're completely open to it, it, it can be quite a blissful experience. But I think mm-hmm. at that point, too, don't expect to get a whole lot done the rest of the day. <laughs> right, um, and, right. And your body, your body can also move as well. Like, you, mm-hmm. you might get a jolt or it might resemble um, externally looking like a, a, a full body orgasm, I mm-hmm. think is the best way to explain it. Even though you may not have that, phys- that same physical sensation. Right. I think that's the easiest way to explain it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so two follow-up questions for that. 
Yes. So um, I know that some couples practice Kundalini together as part of um, their tantric practice. Mm -hmm. um, so if you want to talk briefly about that, and then I'll ask one more question after, after that. All right. So in, so there's two different things to that. So there is white tantric yoga, which is done in partners. It's not necessarily specifically for people who are in romantic relationship. Um, there are the, the Venus Kriyas, which are gen, which are specifically done for relationships. So they require a partner. Um, and when you go to white tantric, when it's facilitated, cause there's three types of, of tantric, there's white, red, and black. Red Tantra is the sexual energy. Black Tantra is like voodoo, basically. It's not good. Um, and then the white Tantric is the Kundalini. It's, it's a more pure form of, of the energy. And so when you go into a white Tantric practice, you are partnered up in a very specific pattern and shape in the, in the room. Uh -huh. And you do, you do several practices. You do four, I think it's four 31 minute meditations and then two, two and a half hour meditations. Okay. But the, the amount of energy that is created in the room, like you're holding your arms up and like you're, you, let's just say, for example, you know, I did, I went to a white tantric and we had to hold our right arm up in the air and the left arm down so it's on a diagonal and your hands are touching your partners and you're sitting there for two and a half hours oh my and it yeah and it or i'm sorry not two and a half hours for 62 minutes it's 31 and 62 minutes um so sorry about that no worries and but you're holding your hands there for 62 minutes and you're like can i even do this right and you go through this entire psychological experience mm-hmm and an entire energetic experience because not only do you have the group energy involved it, it's the energy exchange between you and your partner as well and so it can bring about resentments <laughs> it can bring about frustration and anger right. um, or, or you could just be completely blissed out and see this practice and experience through just these pure the pure eyes of love and again just be completely blissed out by it it truly is for me it was a really interesting experience because the way that I handled the energy the very first time I did it like I laughed mm -hmm. I laughed so much and it's such an exertion of energy but it's because I wasn't comfortable containing that space mm -hmm. um but you do I believe by going to one white tantric day it's like 10 years of meditation so that is what you get out of it mm -hmm. so that was my next question because as we're talking I'm kind of thinking to myself and based on you know my own experiences with it too it's it almost seems to me like kundalini practice is meditation on steroids <laughs> uh yeah it is yeah. <laughs> it is the quickest way because it's a technology and a science mm -hmm. not not western medical science but it is eastern technology and science mm -hmm. and I went the first kundalini class I ever took like I cracked open like a shell and I just started bawling mm -hmm. and I had never experienced that level of emotional release in my life and yeah. I was like oh, okay like this is it 
I found my, my place. <laughs> I found the, the mm-hmm. practice mm-hmm. and it, it works very fast. It really does. It really does. I've actually only been practicing it for probably like four months, maybe yeah. like four or five months. And it's mm-hmm. not like I'm doing it every day, right? It's maybe twice a month or, you know, once a month, even sometimes. Um, and so I don't know, I think maybe I've practiced a total of eight or nine times now. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, but you're right. I mean, it just, it hits the reset button in a way that is unlike anything else I've experienced. Um, Aside from, I will say, um, I do, I love to go mountain biking. It's my favorite outdoor physical activity and going for a really long mountain bike ride and kind of getting yourself into that place. Like you were talking about a minute ago, right? That place of, um, you know, mental and emotional intensity, you know, (laughs) um, I have gotten a similar type of feeling from a really intense mountain bike ride, specifically one, a couple of weeks ago where I was biking back to my Jeep when it was hailing. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was a little, that was an intense afternoon. Um, so, um, So, okay, so I had one more question, and it was, um, oh, well, maybe I'm not going to remember it, but, um, but let's, let's talk really briefly about, um, about, you know, if people have questions about exploring this, or, you know, if they're interested, where would they find good, accurate information about it? So, I, my teacher, Guru Jagat, owns Rama Institute in Venice, California. They have a website called Rama TV where you can actually go and sign up for $15 a month and take virtual classes. Um, The most interesting thing I will say about the Kundalini yoga practice that I've encountered a lot is a lot of misinformation. Yeah. Um, Even, even on the, so Yogi Bhajan was who brought Kundalini yoga to the West, even on his, foundation sites like 3HO and KRI, there are some things that if you go into like the library of teachings, which is where all of his video content is that he recorded or had recorded for him in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and even in early 2000s before he had passed, um, even even the information that was given to his company, some of it can kind of be inaccurate. So it really is kind of like the best way to explain it is like you're hunting for treasure uh-huh. or you're hunting for gold. So you might, depending on what you want to learn about, you might actually have to do a little bit of research. Right. You might have to dig in Google and go through like the 5 million hits and get like 200 in and find exactly what you're looking for, Mm -hmm. whether it's a mantra or a song or a teaching itself. Um, Mm -hmm. But you can go to the library of teachings and get his video lectures. You can go to Rama TV for classes. um, Mm -hmm. And Rama even has um, a YouTube as well. So some of, they do have some of their older classes for free on there and they run about an hour to an hour and a half long with a lecture and class. But Okay. That's going to be the easiest way for the general public to get their hands on the practice and the information itself. Um, cool. Otherwise, I would even encourage people if they do feel inspired to take a level one teacher training, even if they don't want to become a teacher, 
the time that they're going to spend in the classroom learning and practicing within the group energy will transform your life because we are in the age of experience. That's what the Aquarian age is all about. Right. Right. Learning through experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and for all of the beautiful information and, um, and I'll put your contact information in the show notes and, um, yeah, have a wonderful day and thank you to everyone who joined us this afternoon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.